This includes the enforcement of the Texas Penal Code and Texas Education Code sections, which permit law enforcement to remove individuals who disrupt a public meeting. Please be advised that this is your warning. If you choose to disrupt the meeting, the board will recess and allow time for decorum in order to be maintained. The individual will be escorted out and issued a criminal trespass citation and no longer permitted on any MISD property. The public comment portion of the meeting should be a place where students and community members feel safe to speak on diverse topics and opinions absent from ridicule and intimidation. I'm confident that everyone will respect these expectations. If you truly feel you may struggle to do so, now would be an appropriate time to exit. And of course, you are welcome to re-enter after public comments. Last speaker is George Fuller. in McKinney, this is According to Callus. And how did you like that little opening uh, couple minutes there? <laughs> See, it just proves my point. There are the rules for thee and the rules for we. And interestingly enough, if George doesn't find himself facing a trespass, we will know that the rules are arbitrary and capricious. They mean nothing. The school district is run by a hack lady by the name of Amy Dankel, and she doesn't care. She only punishes those that oppose her and the, that oppose her vision. 
But I could be wrong. They might actually do the right thing. Here's to not holding my breath to wait and see if that happens. Ah, well. Okay, so before I go any further, let me remind you, uh, subscribe, like, share, and comment on the show. Help me out here. We're uh, closing in on that magic 50K. The goal is by election day to have 50,000 downloads, and we're, we're getting closer every day. And with your help, we're going to make it. Uh, so on with the show. So I started out on Monday kind of talking about how there's three steps. They're simple, not easy, but simple. So um, Tuesday's episode, I talked about you know how I would choose candidates, how that matters. Wednesday, I talked about step one, which is leave the zoo, right? Get out. We can't fix the school districts. Uh, and even if we can, do you really want your children there while you're trying to fix it? And based upon the feedback that we got Tuesday night at the school board meeting, uh, that kind of proves the point. And I, and I'm, how do I want to say this? I'm completely aware that there are some people that cannot exercise that option, which is why we fight. We fight for them, for their families, right? Um, when you're the person that's <laughs> called out as being the problem, when all you're saying is, uh, look, we uh, we really question the efficacy of putting gender mutilation um, surgeries and treatments and counseling in a public school is a good idea. Now, I don't believe that that's happened in McKinney ISD just yet, but that is one of the things that we talk about. Um, we talk about the idea that, you know, probably ought to not have pornographic materials available to young children. I guess clearly that makes us uneducated, ignorant. We have to get out of our silo. Well, you know, it's a funny thing, silos. Um, I meet and work with people all over. They come from various backgrounds and various political advantages and viewpoints. And I never once felt the need to treat them poorly or treat them differently or make them feel as if they were less than a person. Nor would I do that in my private life. So I'm really kind of at a loss where that's coming from. But like the thing I shared on Tuesday, it's projection. That's exactly what it is. And (laughs) at the end of the day, you've got to take your children out of the line of fire. You've got to pull your grandchildren out of the line of fire. You've got to encourage your nieces and nephews to get out of the line of fire. If we're going to fix the school district, we have to get a little more drastic. And look, I still stand by my firm ideals that this is not unique to McKinney ISD. I don't think it's any surprise that this is going on everywhere at the same time. But let me just tell you, the second step is to start something new. So I, I hinted at that on, on Wednesday's show, right? You got to leave the zoo. This is start something new. And what do I mean by that? Well, like I said, every church, every church should at the very least house or host co-ops. There should be homeschool co-ops at every church. And if your church isn't doing that, you ought to ask why. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they assisting their church family? 
What's the hang up? What's the problem? Now, if the church is big enough, in my opinion, they ought to have their own school or partner with another church or a couple of churches to create their own school. The fact that they don't do that is a sad commentary of where we are with mm, Christianity today. I mean, our uh, Muslim brethren out there, they create their own schools. And when they use the government schools, they get what they want because the school districts are scared to death of what they're going to do if they don't give them what they want. Now, I'm not suggesting we should go to that length, but it is an interesting comparison, is it not? And, you know, for our Jewish brethren out there, they have their own schools as well. And when they don't utilize those schools, they're really good about getting the rules changed to accommodate them as well. And again, I don't fault them for that. I I respect it. I'm not always happy with the results, but I do respect it. So if we're still a Christian nation and uh, somewhere north of 60% of people profess to be Christians, why is it that we're the ones that get dumped on when it comes to the government schools. Why is it that we're the odd men out? Well, I'll tell you, it's because they don't care, they don't fear, and they're not concerned. And a large part of that goes because, well, the majority of the public sits still and sits idly by as the destruction of our country continues. The churches are doing the same thing. Indeed, so many of our churches are more concerned about the alphabet soup and making them feel comfortable, the the latest outrage uh, discussing about how other lives matter when, quite frankly, Christ clearly taught that all lives matter, including the unborn. Uh, we're so worried about the latest zeitgeist of the moment that our churches don't focus on the things they ought to be focusing on, which is to protect the flock, to educate the flock. The pastors are, in my opinion, largely spending too much time worrying about their prospects for retirement, how good they look on TV, and how big their church building or flock is. And I've referenced the idea that I think this largely stems from Heibel's and the church growth movement. And, you know, that wasn't all bad. But if that's all you're going to focus on, are you really still the shepherd? When you're more concerned about things that are not of a primary nature, are you still shepherding your flock? If you're not telling your flock, uh, if you feel like your children are being groomed, for lack of a better word, in the government schools, you probably ought to get your children out of those schools. If you think that your children are being programmed, in those government schools, you probably ought to get your children out of those schools. If you think that your children are being exposed to things that are in direct conflict with what we teach here, you probably ought to get your kids out of the school district. If a church or the pastor is not willing to do those things, one wonders why that might be. I do. I'm concerned. How does this happen? I live in McKinney. There's 200,000 people plus in this city. We have seven school districts that service us. And to my knowledge, there is literally three pastors that are willing to go on record and saying, hey, we have a problem in the school district. 
And that's just the McKinney ISD. We haven't dealt with Prosper or Lovejoy or Frisco or Princeton. But, hey, it's all okay because, you know, we've got a couple of elected officials that come in and say, well, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. you got to get out of that silo, you uneducated rube. Okay, that's really impressive. But just about a year ago, same said individual allegedly said there were 18 books that he had a problem with that were in the school district. So what happened? What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Somebody convinced him that he needed to change sides. Somebody convinced him that he needed to toe the company line. Don't know why, don't know how, don't care. Circle back to the original idea that we need to build something new. So churches, you need to be hosting homeschoolers or co-op or start a school. Now, look, I know there's plenty of people that are not religious people that want out of the government schools for whatever philosophical reason. There are plenty of good libertarians that I know who are also atheists. Now, I will have to agree to disagree with their agnosticism or their atheism, but they know what goes on in the government schools and they don't want their kids there either. But we don't really have a lot of options for them either. And one wonders, what is it that they're going to do? Well, they're going to take advantage of private schools. There are non-sectarian private schools out there. In fact, there are plenty of, um, what do they call them? Charter schools. Yes, they're technically government schools, but they get to do things just a little bit differently. Take advantage of that. We need to end the government monopoly on education. Now in Texas, like I've said before many times, we have much better options than a lot of other states. We just do. And let me just pause to put a pin in it right now for just a second. If you're a teacher out there and you're listening to me, you probably know I'm not your enemy by this point. But in case you have your doubts, uh, no, we fully understand. Anybody right of center gets it. You have to do what you got to do to take care of your family or to keep your job. And sometimes that means you got to make compromises. Sometimes you make one too many compromises. Yes, but you can redeem yourself. You can get out from under that. We want you to be able to do that. We would love for you to be able to do that. We'd love to actually not create a hostile workplace for you. But when they're more concerned about SEL, when they're more concerned about compliance and DEI, how are you actually teaching a student? Good question. We want to offer opportunities. We want to do something different. And while we're at it, while we're at it, don't just start with the schools. There are other things that we could and should be doing. And that's going to actually go into uh, part three, which will come out on Friday. But if we're not offering a legitimate alternative in an area, we need to be working on that right now. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're going to recruit people to come to our schools or recruit people to come to our business or whatever because we're a Christian or conservative business. No, I'm suggesting we're going to be good. We're going to be really good. And it'll just be understood that we're really good and Christian or we're really good and conservative or we're really good and we love liberty. However you want to phrase it. The first thing is to be really good. And that's something, quite frankly, that I don't see in almost all the school districts. And while we're on that topic of school districts, they have near unlimited funds. 
And when I say near, I fully realize there are limitations, there's budgetary constraints, and I would suggest to you that most of their problem is how they're allocating their funds and how they're wasting their funds, not the fact that they don't have enough. Now, I've heard that you know, a teacher on average salary gets, uh, I think it was thirty-eight dollars to $43,000, and that's the Texas average. I can tell you in Collin County, it's north of 50000 I suggest to you that setting aside the mess that we have with the uh, economy as of late, with 8 to 12% inflation, depending on who you talk to, that's eh, probably no longer enough money. However, for a entry-level, fresh-out-of-college job, that's pretty darn good. That's nothing to sneeze at. Now, you're never going to get rich being a teacher, but you knew that going in there. And there's a reason why certain people go into administrative roles. They like being in control. They like being in power. They like telling other people what to do. And they like grading other people. So that should be a concern. When we spend more money on administrative personnel than we do on the actual teachers, which is the whole purpose of why the schools exist in the first place, is to house the teachers. So again, I tell you, I'm not your enemy. I I realize you have a challenging task. And I realize that your task is made more difficult and more challenging every day that goes by by the more myriad things that you have to comply with that are not at all related to teaching the students. And there are plenty of really good teachers out there that are quitting. They're giving up. They're going to do something else. Or they're locating to another school district that's not as abusive. Is it any wonder why? But of course, that's my fault. That That's my friend's fault because we call the question of the actions of the district. Okay. When we start up the private schools, when we start up the semi-private schools, when we encourage people to go to homeschooling, we're going to solve some of that problem. Less butts and seats means less money to the district. And then the district will have to find a way to reallocate and maybe downsize some things. And I realize that's going to hurt some teachers. But teachers, you have an association. Why don't you stand up for yourselves? Why don't you push back on this stuff? I mean, I'm going to assume the majority of teachers don't actually agree with all this extra garbage that they put on you. I'm going to assume the majority of teachers actually just want to be able to go to class and teach their students without having to be burdened with all this other stuff that's not related. You got to push back. I mean, I thought the whole point of a teacher's union or a teacher's association was to protect the teacher's interests. Surely that must go beyond how much your paycheck is. Surely that must, I don't know, consider some protections and some narrowing of the scope of what the teachers are supposed to be doing, which is to do a good job educating the next generation. But of course, I'm the problem, right? Because somebody else said so. You have mission creep. And you have no successful outcome that is possible when you keep getting other things added that are not related to the goal and the mission at hand. But that wasn't me that did that to you. That wasn't the people that are on my side of the aisle or my team that did that to you. Well, I this kind of morphed a little bit more into a little bit of a rebuttal as opposed to the something new. But I, I really I want to focus in on the idea that churches have a responsibility. They're supposed to shepherd their flock. They're supposed to protect their flock. They're supposed to look after their interests. And if your church is not doing that, you need to be asking why. Do I need to find a new church, a new pastor, or do we just have to create a new program? I don't know what the answer is for you and your church. 
I wish I knew what the answer was for me in my church, but that's my, that's, that, that's my responsibility. That's not yours. Your responsibility is to figure out what works best for you, your family, and your church. Now, again, you don't go to church. There's other community groups and um, associations that have every opportunity to start their own school. I know that there is um, another school just north of here that has to do with outdoor learning and permaculture. I think that's fantastic. I'm a fan of permaculture. I'm not going to be uh, teaching it anytime soon, but I realize the value that it brings and an understanding and appreciation for nature and the way that God designed it. And, you know, if you can build some of that into your curriculum, outstanding. If you can't, that's not an issue. Fine. I'm also a history guy. I love history. I plenty of history books. I've read plenty of history stuff. I'm pretty sure how some of this stuff plays out in the past. I'm really hoping to avoid that in the current and in the future. And while we're at it, you know, I also was poly poli sci geek. Yeah. So I'm a little bit aware of how government works and how government abuses things. And unless you push back and push back successfully, you're going to be subsumed by the government. That's not great. That's not an ideal future. That's not anything anybody wants except for our progressive masters or would-be masters. But we've got to push back. And when we do it, we've got to do it the right way. We've got to be as respectful as possible. We've got to go beyond just name-calling. We've got to focus on issues, not personalities. We've got to make an attractive alternative for people to take advantage of. One of, one, to me, one of the scariest things was that the local Christian schools st started to take government money. Or they start taking people that, that don't even subscribe to the beliefs that that school is supposed to be built upon. How long is it before that school gets ruined? Co-opted. And not very. They get used to that Uncle Sugar money. They get used to those uh, paying antagonistic families and they just tweak things a little bit every year so as to not upset the money flow. Yeah, well, that's kind of what the churches are doing now too, isn't it? We've got to move beyond that. We've got to create something. We've got to provide something. We've got to be willing to put something in, a little elbow grease, if you will, a little investment. Okay, I'm going to cut it off here. I've got the part three for Friday coming up and we're going to talk a little bit about the next step. Now, remember, all of this is premised on the idea that if you can get out, you should get out. And when we get out, we can provide a secondary society, for lack of a better word, an alternate society, a another option for people to live and not feel like they have to <laughs> bow to the master every day, not feel like they are being crushed by the latest garbage coming out of oh, either Hollyweird or DC, the swamp. We, we want to provide that for them. We want to be able to find a way to do that. And that's part of what step three is. Step one, you got to get out of the mess. Step two is you got to create a place for them to go. And step three is how can we maybe make that happen? What, what is that going to require? Okay, folks. So if you thought this was um, 
at least inspiring, somewhat informational, <laughs> entertaining, do me a favor. Like the show, follow the show, share the show. We can't make a difference if we don't get the word out. We can't make a difference if we don't continue to act. There's an election going on right now, that whole early voting thing, right? So whether you are an early voter or you're going to vote on the day of, you need to take a little bit of time and look beyond the R and the D and find out which candidate actually lines up best with you. No, I'm going to also guess probably at this point in time, if you're listening to me, it's going to be the guy or the lady with the R after their name. And that's all well and good, but I want you to actually know what they stand for. I want you to actually know what is it that they promise they're going to do? Because that's how we fix things. We've got to hold them accountable. We've got to follow up with them. You can't just do part of the job, which is get them elected. You have to make sure they do the job you hired them to do. And yes, this needs to be repeated many, many times. And with that, this was According to Callus, episode 292, coming out on 1027 of 2022. And until next time, I'll see you on the other side.